Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, we all need a mental health check. And KK Ray's here. She's a marriage and family therapist with Tennessee Neurofeedback in the Nashville, Tennessee area. You'll get to meet her right after this. You know, there's one thing I know, and that is podcast advertising works. Yeah, I have been talking about Akel's Carpet One for quite some time on my podcast and personally and on my social media because I'm a customer, but I love it when you respond. And I say that because one of the listeners to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast reached out to me. We'll call her Hannah because that's her name. And Hannah was the one who had a, a situation where uh, the office flooded, couldn't get anybody to call her back. And when they did, it was six weeks wait. It was all these things. And she just in desperation said, do you have anybody at Hakel's Carpet you can maybe introduce me to? And I was in Santa Fe at the time. I was like, girl, anything for you. Got her hooked up with Paul. Paul either went out there like that day or the next day, got the estimate, and within like 24 hours, it got taken care of. And that may be 48, but I'm telling you, lickety split. It was done so efficiently, so professionally, and they love the results. That's what everybody says when they shop with Akel's Carpet One. Of course, these are the people who beat the big box store prices. Check them out online, AkelsCarpetOne.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, KK, we are two weeks in, no, 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 two years in to a flatten the curve, right? And we're tired of it. I am plumb worn out from this situation. And we're not talking political. This is not a political conversation. This is about mental health. What can you do to help us be equipped to get through? Gosh, we've got Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And then is it ever going to end? Wow. And I just saw this morning that that the numbers in the UK have gone back up again. And I'm thinking, oh, please, Lord, don't let that be. I I know. That's how I feel. Yeah. And I think, you know, how do we equip ourselves? You know, Lisa, it, the question is, I don't really know. I mean, we are in a place in, in mental health. I was just talking to my closest colleague this morning. He has 10 therapists in his clinic and not one of them has a space. Oh, you know, wow. There's, so there's, you know, there's a shortage. I don't even know if it's a shortage or if more people are accessing mental health because they're in so much pain or what, but, but all that to say, our normal tools of go find a therapist (laughs) this week, you know, not, not a chance. I mean, some, you might be lucky to get in in December or January. So I think, I think what we could start with is just recognizing our level of depletion. What would you say about that? If we just said, what if we just were able to monitor ourselves enough so that we don't leak sideways on others if we're taking (laughs) care of ourselves? Leak sideways on others. That's a great visual. That's exactly what happens. Well, and it's probably less a leak. It used to be a leak. Now it's more like a monsoon. (laughs) Yeah, a monsoon, right. You know, the things that that will come out of our mouths so quickly that we would never have... um, considered before. Mm. Same. Yeah, that's true. We do react to things now verbally and probably in the car where we're angrier at somebody for cutting us off that in the Mm -hmm. past, you would have said after you, (laughs) no, after you, but you're right. (laughs) We're just, we're burning out. Yes. And, and I think it is, if we can look at it just like that, a battery, um, you know, a flashlight battery that, what is happening is that we're getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And, and I think it's, it's a accumulation. Absolutely. We have not gotten a break mm-hmm. and what would a break look like even right now? Um, because one of the things that, that is always helpful in crisis is to know there's an expiration date on it. Right. You know, when is it going to be over? And we, we just don't have that. Um, 
I'd say it's better. What would you say? I don't as know. Far it's as- starting to wear on me. And that that's why I reached out to you because it's, you know, I, I gave up the news March 10th, 2020. So I haven't turned the news on and it'll be two uh-huh. years in March uh, for my mental health. And even I still get the newspaper. We only have it here digitally during the week. We only have a Sunday paper. And when I opened it Sunday, it was about doom and gloom again, doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. You better do mm-hmm. this or this is going to happen. And I mm-hmm. like even talking about it almost makes my heart beat fast. So I, no, I, I don't go that. there. I feel- yeah, I feel it in my stomach. I'll tell you what I'm going to do is for sure I'm I'm shutting down all social media that is is um, anything that's business related um, for myself. So KK Ray Instagram and Facebook really? are going away. Yeah, that's going away. I, um, I I I just I don't like I don't like what people are putting out there, and yeah. I don't like yeah. being trolled and those kind of things. Those I know. When I open up Facebook, it's like you just said, my heart starts to beat, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm a little chicken to give it up personally because I don't, I don't keep in touch with people a right. lot like you or others to yeah. know what's going yeah. on in their lives yeah. without Facebook. But it's been probably since the pandemic that I've really posted anything. Yeah. Um, early in the pandemic I did professionally and, and I'm, I, I think that's, I think we have to find what it is that's depleting. Just like you said, opening the Sunday paper is depleting to you. Mm-hmm. That costs you battery power. Yeah, so I pushed and it away. Back, I mean, I, I just don't look back at it. away from it. Yeah. And I also think we need to figure out where, you know, in our day-to-day lives where anything is depleting and where things are repleting and figure out because it truly is a battery. We've got to get ourselves powered back up. You know, and what does that look like? And as the battery gets more and more depleted, we begin to see toxicity in ourselves. We we tolerate much less than others. Our reactivity goes up, which is a vicious negative feedback cycle of depletion. You know, we can't react well, and that's even more depleting. Well, you know, one thing I talked to a guest yesterday I uh, interviewed, and he's lost, well, 150 pounds. I can't do math, but it's like 150 pounds. And he's in Canada. I said, and they don't have a traditional Thanksgiving. I mean, they have a different day and all that. But I said, are you mm-hmm. going to get with your family? Yeah, I said, you know, they're going to be so excited to see you. And he went, well, no, not really. And I, I thought, I couldn't imagine. I, I thought, are they unhappy that you've lost weight? And he went, oh, because the vaccine, we're not speaking. You know, that that was the bottom line. Wow. He said, we have wow. di- how he said it was, we have different points of view on this issue. And the health or vaccine, he intimated toward that. And I thought, mm-hmm. I bet at our Thanksgivings in the U.S., there are a lot of families. I said, I know we're divided. I know I have an in-law that has this opinion. I have a parent that has this opinion, you know. But yeah. can't we just all get along at Thanksgiving? Well, and also, when did we decide that opinions trumped relationships? Right. That's how I feel. You know, and, and I think I may have said this on one of your podcasts before, but I think it's worth saying again that the assumption that we all think alike is, you said is really a, a low level of insight. You know, it's well, it's either a low level of insight or it's your I don't give a damn is way, way turned up too high, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, OK, so if if relationship means more than my opinion, then then bow out if if your opinion puts you in harm's way or someone else bow out profound i mean i'm thinking about my own relationships and how i have had an opinion because we have a group chat with our family our kids and let me just tell you parents out there your kids are not going to do what you do i just i'll go ahead and throw that one out there and let me also throw out that most of those kids are smarter than we are yeah no, that's, you know, mine definitely so, are. Yeah. <laughs> mine too. Yeah. And so with that, um, I, I, I've had to bow out of some things and you know what? I feel good. Cause I never want my kids thinking that it's conditional, that my relationship with them is conditional in any way. And so if they take one road and I take the other, great. We're all together. Yeah. We're still family. And, but I yeah. don't, I don't feel that way with my in-laws and my, my father-in-law <laughs> wouldn't know how to find the podcast. But um, my goodness, I mean, every time we talk to him, we have to say, Popo, turn off CNN. 
The world's not yeah. coming to an end today and I'm not, yeah. I'm not dying. Yeah. Okay. I've had yeah. COVID. I'm not going to, I'm okay. But yeah. you know, it, it's also that generation. So the generation above us, our parents' age, and then yeah. they, they believe any media because the media used to be a very reputable source of work. Yeah. And, and I'm with you on, and I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to know where I fall out on politics. Right. And the reason I don't is because, and I had this conversation with a colleague this morning, the, the assumption that we as, as uh, healthcare professionals should put out our opinion. We're not scientists. Number one, we're therapists, but, but that could immediately injure somebody if they've come to me and been vulnerable and then think, wow, she thinks differently than me. It's so rude of me to put that out there if I were going to. But all that to say, media, you know, I think that I've no, not seen anything balanced. No. I don't see anything no. that's just no. actual. No. Um, and I don't know when we got into all these opinions and editorials as news, but um, I, I'm, I'm with you. But, I'm over it. But as the kids that. say, well, here we are. You know. Yeah, here we are. And uh, backing up a few minutes ago, I, I think the new line that I'm gonna, I've, I've been using a lot is I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> Good. You yeah. know, yeah. And, and I think I think we have to be careful not to feel like we're rejecting that other person. You know, what we know is attachment means everything, especially mm -hmm. in this day and age where we all feel so isolated and detached. Mm -hmm. Attachment matters. And we don't want this you know, rejection mentality to come in, but just sitting this one out is I think, okay. Meaning I'm going to be back, but just not this conversation. I'm if that this makes one sense. Down. Cause uh, that's my bumper sticker. I'm going to sit this one. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I'm going to sit this one out. And, and I think, I think we have to go, there's a fine line between, you know, selfishness and attachment and, taking care of what we need to take care of, but we can't take care. It's, it's the, the airplane um, oxygen mask. We yeah. got to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anybody else. And I, I've realized recently, I know you're saying from a vulnerable place that you're, you're worn out. I'm, I'm worn out too. And when I get worn out, then I start treating people that I'm supposed to love. Not so kindly. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, um, and as we, as our brains drain, we go offline as imp our empathy goes off. One of the first things to go off. Really? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the ability to, to think like a human goes offline. So what we're left with are cobras and, and elephants, mm -hmm. you know, our reptilian mm -hmm. mammalian part of our brain is, and that's all survival. So we become very black and white in our thinking, all or nothing, rejection abandonment or enmeshment you know everything's at opposite ends of the continuum so we really have to be careful to keep our sanity um at all costs when we're around others okay then let's discuss how are we gonna uh sit down at thanksgiving then with the people <laughs> we love but we don't yes that either they've made it well i mean i probably have said some things too that even though i don't want to i don't I don't want to give a political opinion because it doesn't matter. I mean, just who cares what anybody thinks? But I think there's some trepidation going to a Thanksgiving table, assuming what, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? So how do we handle a? How do we make it a good Thanksgiving, a Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving? Uh-huh. Yes. Those don't exist. That's one of the, <laughs> most, you know, the, the, the holidays. I heard someone say recently, they're the most overrated and underperforming thing that we do is November and December, yes, you know? So, sure. so first of all, let's not put any expectations on it. You know, let's, let's, let's say, and let's say, what, what do we, what are we really going for? You know, am I going and I'm getting to see, um, some family this year that I haven't seen in several years, um, maybe five. And so I'm really glad to get to see them. And, and there's just as big a chance as not, that they're going to come in opposite end of the political mm -hmm. spectrum than I am. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like you say, I really don't care where they fall out mm -hmm. um, politically. I, and I honestly don't want to know. However, they may tell me. And so the question becomes at that point, um, 
put on your curiosity. That's another part of your brain. If you can stay in a curious place about another human being, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend eighty percent of this conversation finding out about how this other person is doing. Mm -hmm. And maybe 20%, because if we go in as grown ass adults, we don't have a whole lot of needs at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. the child parts in Mm -hmm. us that, that need to be loved, need to be, you know, Mm -hmm. found out about, need to be honored, whatever all that is that little kids need. So if we really go and, and, and this, if that's a therapeutic term, by the way, Lisa, if people don't cuss on your podcast or grown ass, ass, right. I totally get it. And so, so the grown ass person that shows up can stay in a very curious place and stay enough, have enough autonomy within their humanness that they don't have to judge. And the whole time, you want to sit there and practice non-judgment. That's mindfulness 101, right? To learn how to practice non-judgment. Mm-hmm. So instead of slicing and dicing somebody and being ready the minute they leave to talk about them, you know, practice non-judgment and curiosity. And you will come out pretty much after that three-hour meal okay. You may, you know, you may need to take a nap. But but if you're, if you're practicing non-judgment and curiosity... You're going to be okay. Now, the flip side of that is, and I think I've said this on a podcast, it's baffling to me how somebody can sit and talk at you for two hours and you know everything about them and they walk away and know nothing about you. Mm -hmm. So if you have the tendency to over talk, I would really challenge you to sit back and say, I'm not going to talk about myself more than 20% of this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm only I'm and 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 challenge yourself to walk away knowing something new about everybody at the table because the bottom line is if somebody leaves there and feels like they're known a little bit more by mm-hmm. you that's going to fill them up. Mm-hmm. And so so I guess uh you know we want to armor up in that we're not going to go in as needy people into the Thanksgiving meal, right? Oh yeah. But yeah. that is a Conscious, I call it a toggle in your brain, a conscious toggle to find that grown ass perspective that is not needing anything except mm-hmm. to sit down and have a great meal. Mm-hmm. Right. That's our goal. That's a good way to mm-hmm. put it. We're just going to get together because we have a, a big crew of 30 people. People bring the best side dishes, the best, you know, I, I go to Corky's and get the ham and the turkey and then I make some things. But every, in fact, I have to swallow thinking about it. My mouth's watering because I'm thinking about my brother's macaroni and cheese and the green bean bundles. But it's true. It's that should be our focus. And because yeah. Thanksgiving is hard enough. The holidays are hard enough because of the rearview mirror, right? Of what's happened in these Absolutely. relationships. And then you add a pandemic. And then this year, let's say we aren't in the throes of a pandemic, but we're in the throes of a conversation about have you or haven't you? That's all uh-huh. anyone talks about. Did you, did you not? Have you, have you had it? Have you had your, you know, and then conversations go that way, which really when my nail guy asked me if I'd had a vaccine, I said, would you ask me if I had an IUD? And also would he you said, ask who I voted for? And he, or he, would you ask me how much money I make? Yeah. It's, it, and it's, yeah. It, and, and then we can all go down bunny trails with that. But I, you know, that, that question is, um, I don't see how you get away from that being off putting on any level. Oh, good. I thought it was just me. Cause I thought, I, I mean, I, I don't know. No one's ever asked me. Well, I'm going to ask somebody if they're breathing in my face. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. if it's, yeah. Your, if it's, your, yeah. you know, I'm going to, yeah. I, I won't, you know, but, but that's my personal opinion. Right. And places that I'm going to put myself in. And, you know, the, the truth is, if you're going somewhere and people have issue on either side, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. It's your choice not to go yeah. or to go. Yeah. I, I thought of that because I thought, what if people then at, because we do have a lot of people from don't have maybe a place to go and they would, would show up where we've always done. But I almost want to have a caveat to say, now, you know, some people here will be and won't be. But I don't, yeah. I don't want to stir that up because I don't want anyone to think that I'm telling them not to come. I want people to come to my table. Well, I think you can say that. I want you here, 
full disclosure, some people will be, some people won't. And I'm trying to steer everyone away from doing anything but making their own decision. Yeah. I, I hope that people know that even when you go to the grocery store, the people, some aren't, aren't. When you go to the doctor, some aren't, aren't, or wherever you go. I mean, wherever you go, some aren't, aren't. So that's why I, sometimes I overthink it and I, and I put my fears on somebody else when someone else may go, mm-hmm. Oh no, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's one you want to measure with somebody else too, because if you, you know, if you're in fear about it or, you know, minority or majority thinking you want to run it by somebody that might be on the opposite yeah, side that's true. that can, that can tolerate, um, Great. And that's one thing I would say is that we have to be, we're not in a good, healthy place if we're only thinking in black and white. Yeah. We have to, we have to be able to, you know, I don't know when we quit trying to gather other people's perspectives, you know, to make our decision and to be, to sit in the gray and to, be flexible in our thinking. Um, rigidity has taken over, obviously, because we're in so much fear. But um, there's always a different angle that needs to be considered. And there's always more than one choice. If we only see one uh, one way in or out, then we're probably in a much more anxious place than we need to to be making any serious decisions. Right. Plus, I see that people get their information from where they get their information and they think that's right. Just as I think where I get my information is accurate. And I noticed that recently when I posted something was not a political statement, but it it was just something, it was amusing that I had. And the girl said, but what I'm reading, she, she felt like I was inflecting something. I really wasn't. I I was making fun of something in a fun way. I mean, we all were. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. said, but, it, and, and I'll tell you what it was. It was um, the situation with the uh, harbor and all these ships that are stuck. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we ordered furniture, we had didn't get it for four months. You know, I was right. Really, but then now if you say anything, it turns political. They think that I'm talking about this person or that person. No, I was just saying that I, I want my, my sofa. <laughs> and right. But. She, that's what I'm telling you. People then take it that, oh, you're, you're trying to say something here that you think this is a political thing. I know I just want my sofa. Well, and, and, and that therein lies the question of, of is social media harmful or helpful? And that's probably, that's probably freaking political too. I don't know. know, but, but, but I wonder if, if somebody were sitting across the table from you and you said something about your sofa, they would know it was funny and they would right. see you right. and, and, right. and you would see right. if right. that was offended to them and you would, you would, you know, repair that immediately mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the hate and the position of defensiveness that we all seem to be in across the table from each or not yes, the virtual yes, table yes, yes. is just, it's just too easy to fire off you know, um, fire off negativity when we're sitting behind a computer screen. Yeah, that's right. They're keyboard cowards for sure. And like you said, the trolls that come out. On yeah. Things. Yeah. Or people that are really lonely and isolated yes. and angry and have yeah. nothing else to do. And it's like, dang, yeah. you know, um, and, and that, that usage, the, the screen usage is so way up just because, that's all people have had to do. Well, here's one thing someone asked me today when I said I was going to meet with you. She goes, oh, I want her to be my therapist. <laughs> she did say this. <laughs> she went to college with us. And she said because um, she had tried one of those dial-a-therapist that you get on online. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she said they sell all your data. She goes, you can. Holy cow. Seriously? That's what she said. And she goes, so I don't feel comfortable now in sharing anything or doing anything with an online therapist. Now, of course, as a journalist, I have to have tell you that I didn't, I can't corroborate that story. I'm telling you what someone told me. Journalists, yeah, we, yeah. we do try to check our sources and we're just here having a conversation. I didn't know if you knew any of that. And so she said, I'd rather talk to KK because she knows my, <laughs> my past and all that. So. Yeah, no, I have not heard that, but I don't doubt it because every company you hear about it makes more money selling data than they do doing whatever they they do. But again, I'm not a journalist and 
where did I hear that? Right, you know? right, 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 right. <laughs> so, um, but boy, I would make sure. I mean, um, I don't know. I know that there are certain uh, ways that you do telehealth that are HIPAA protected and those kind of okay. things. But, but I certainly would want to know who I'm talking to and make sure they're licensed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And follow follow state ethical guidelines and laws. Um, for that. Yeah. You have yeah. so much to say grace over. You wouldn't even have time to do any of that dial a therapist or find a therapist. Oh, well, I, I told somebody the other day, I'm very grateful that I'm in this side of my career as opposed to starting up because I think, although I don't know any therapists that aren't just slammed. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, it, it would be, it would be really difficult to not be meeting in person um, as a, therapist just starting out for sure yeah. because the 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 you know relational mm. um it's important i mean absolutely absolutely vital so. human element yeah and it's we huge. were we were talking about this before we even started um you know my needs as an extrovert in my health coaching career i have to assess that because i would rather see humans but now so many people have gone virtual. So now I'm just doing virtual groups because I want to see a lot of humans, you know, Yeah, yeah. Carnegie yeah. Hall. I would fill up Carnegie Hall and talk to everybody if I could. Um, but it's also knowing our needs, you know, and that's what you're, you're also meeting your needs now knowing you can, what the tightrope that you can walk. Okay, let's talk about um, what is our situation on alcohol abuse was blowing through the roof last year porn addiction blowing through the roof last year when we talked. Okay. We're another year in. We're about the same. You know, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I certainly don't think it's better. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm speaking to the conference this weekend that is jam packed full of people coming because they're practitioners you know, or potential addicts. Oh, uh, oh recovering wow. Addicts. Um, and so, so I think that, uh, I, I would say the pain level, you know, if last year we thought the pain was eight out of 10 yeah. as a, as a culture, I'd say we're nine going on nine and a half. I don't think it's less. And, and I think the trickle down effect is massive on, on, um, you know, the younger generations. I saw recently that kids were, were coming out just sick of parents fighting at school board meetings, oh, you know? know, and you think about, you think about the toll that a depleted parent takes on a kid and the kids already isolated and trying to make a, a, a life of attachment with other kids and, and then to have that low, it's just mm. many layers. And so, you know, the question is where, where does this end? You know, we got to, we got to get an expiration date soon. Yeah, I think now in Arkansas, we do have a green light to meet and things like that. I know in New York state, it's a little more difficult, California. Uh, so those we are seeing addicts can go to their meetings here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I guess they're, I hope they're full throttle. I mean, I hope people are there and I, I think, I think so. And, and, and I think, yeah, here for sure in Good. Nashville, I mean, of course we, we can tout that we have one of the best recovery um, communities anywhere in middle Tennessee. And I think that, that they are all up and running. Good. Um, and, and I'm not really sure. Um, in the in the bigger metropolitan areas that may have stricter mandates, I don't I don't know. Um, I do know that there are plenty of virtual options, but again, you're not in person. Right. You're not human to human right. contact. There's something about that all, that's at all. But but you know the thing that you want to go back and ask yourself is what am you know what am I using to numb? Is it destructive for myself mm -hmm. or others? And let's try to find coping mechanisms that um that we can exchange for the destructive ones positive ones so in in you know your world of of health coaching lisa you know you you can reel off the top five things to do yeah. you know and 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 then it's a matter of do you have the motivation to do it that's you it. know as yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what we see is motivation is extremely low right now. 
Hi folks, just a moment here to talk to you about something I've embarked on and I sometimes weave it into and out of the conversations that I have on my podcast. And it's how I'm now a certified integrative nutrition health coach thanks to the wonderful professional staff at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. I chose the six-month program. My daughter is doing the year-long program. It's whichever program you prefer, but I'm putting the link in the show notes in the event that you want to embark on the same journey. You will invest both in your own life and it'll help you professionally. You'll make money doing it. And you'll love seeing people reach their health goals. That's what a health coach does. Health coaching is the future. We have more people on medicine now than we've ever had before. We don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. And health coaches help these people, oftentimes, not always, sometimes get off their medicines, eat healthier, do things all in every part of their life to lead healthier lives. You will champion them and you will feel great doing it. I feel better just in the things I've learned at IIN. Check the show notes for the link. And what we see is motivation is extremely low right now. Um, Is it because people just get stuck? It's that battery power again. Motivation comes, you know, what, what your brain tells you is, you're depressed, so I'm taking offline anything that would cost more energy. So getting mm-hmm. up and going to a meeting or uh, making a phone call for somebody mm-hmm. else, the brain at a non-conscious level says that that will cost you 10 points. So we're not going to do that. And so it's you're, you're really working against yourself even. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and our dopamine receptors do morph into... Um, into only wanting to receive things that are the quick hit. So, so if, you know, porn's your go-to or even video games or, or um, alcohol, whatever that is, your brain is going to trick you because those dopamine receptors have adjusted to getting those quick fixes. It's going to say, yeah, going to lunch isn't going to be fun with your friends. Where in reality, it may not be the rush of, of, of dopamine or whatever, but, it's, you know, sustainable over time. Mm-hmm. So you really have to fight against yourself even then. Right. And those relationships are time investments. I mean, it's not a quick hit. Right. No, there's no quick hit with that. But it is sustainable where, you know, a bottle of wine a night is not going to be sustainable. Then what do you um, tell people then? Because I do have some that I rattle off in my mantra of good because I know good health is tied to good mental health. I know that. In fact, I'm speaking oh, on that in Arkansas um, at a conference in a month. And they were asking me today for my, she said, what are some things you could tell us? And I, I said, these aren't just, this isn't conjecture or something that, you know, I, I read on Wikipedia. These are things that are scientifically proven. Dr. Amen talks a lot about these things um, yes, with the Amen yes. Clinic um, with everything from good sleep, so, I mean, if you really want to get deep, good sex is important. Um, intimacy, friendships, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, vitamin D, mm-hmm. sunshine, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. say then are things that you can tell people, this is what I want you to do? Yeah. Well, um, I'm not a uh, gray thinker in using bad coping mechanisms. So that's the first thing I would do is try to negotiate with the person to stop doing whatever they're doing that's destructive. Um, And, and, you know, that, that gets a little dicey in the food world. I I probably stay, let, you know, stay over, let, let that be in your, your yard and not mine. But, but when I have someone that is using destructive coping mechanisms, which I would say are more, you know, uh, porn, Sex, sex that is destructive of any kind, um, alcohol, drugs. Oh, whatever. sex in that would, regard. Yeah, I'm thinking of sex yes. as intimacy. No, exactly. With your spouse, yeah, right, right, no. right. I see. Good, you know, yeah, and and um, and those things, those things are non-negotiable to me if we're going to move towards health. So I would, I would say, okay, can we give it up for ninety days? Oh, good. Can you stop this for 90 days and give your brain a minute to embody a minute to detox so that we can make better choices? And then I start really, really small. Like, 
can you meet can you meet with a therapist weekly? Yeah, I can do that. Can you go to adult child of alcoholic meeting or dysfunctional family, whatever, you know, or an AA meeting or NA or SA, whatever. Can you do that? I might could do that. Do you have a friend you could go with? You know, so, so you negotiate small little changes and then I'm always, you know, 30 minutes of walking. You don't have to be high intensity. I totally agree. If you get, if you can do a hill every once in a while, but there is, there is no therapist and no antidepressant, no mm. neurofeedback session mm. that is better than getting out and walking 30 to 45 minutes a day, especially if you're outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, that trumps everything. And then second is sleep. I mean, mm-hmm. exercise and sleep are, you know, you can get way down the road. If you can sleep as sleep is one of, and you know, the, research better than I do, Lisa, but that's where we detox our brains. And it's also where we keep from getting Alzheimer's. It's also right. where we keep from getting depressed. It's that's everything right. that in, and it is such a um, lie that anybody can go on four hours of sleep or you even know, six. You can't. Yeah. yeah, no, you need to. Yeah. The scientific research says there is a gene mutation with people. It's like 15% of the population has it that they can rely on six, but for the rest of us, you need to be in there between seven and nine hours in the dark with no device on asleep. Right. And, and I even challenge that six hours, you know, those are a lot of those peak performers that we get that have, have, um, celebrated going on six hours of sleep. We look at their brains, um, you know, their QEGs, we literally can see that their brain is totally depleted. Seriously. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen peak performers in every industry. I mean, professional athletes to the top of the heap CEOs, they all have that depleted brain. So I would argue that that six hour person, they might be able to function at a very high level, but there is a downside there, you know, cumulatively long-term. Totally. And many times you see those people making stupid decisions outside of whatever their elite performance is. Oh, that's good. That is really good. So, yeah, they may be running, you know, a Fortune 100 company, but then they might have a mistress in two or three different cities. Um, Or they might be an elite athlete that is top of the heap but may not be able to keep a friendship going. Wow. You know, so there always is a trade-off. So, so yeah, you probably can, you can tell me what that six, that, that six hour person is. But when I see those as the peak performers, they do, there is a cost. So tell me about the brain scans you do. Are they different than what we see here with the traditional neurologist? Um, so maybe depending on, on what, what you see the an EEG is what we start with. And, and you do do that with a neurologist. Um, what we do, we call it a QEEG and, and that's quantitative EEG. So it goes through a database of hundreds of other brains, um, that are your age, stage, gender. And so because of that, we've learned over time that there are markers, uh, com- when we compare. So we're able to say, okay, is this brain browned out low power? Is this brain, does this brain have signatures for concussion slash TBI? Does this brain show inflammation that is probably all over the body? Does this brain show depression? Does this brain show anxiety? Does this pressure, does this brain show true ADD Mm -hmm. or does this brain show anxiety that has inattentive features. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that, that we see. And then, and then what we do with neurofeedback is once we see that brain, then we train the brain back into a regulated state. It's very cool. It's fascinating. I mean, it's just fascinating. Does it have that type of imaging have a predictive feature to it? Like, can it say, gosh, you're having, we're seeing some things here in your hippocampus, let's say, for example, um, you know, you better tighten up your diet or you're going to be looking at dementia in five years. Um, I would, I would say the answer is, 
you know, I would leave that to the scientists, but absolutely, you know, we know that if your brain stays inflamed over time or, you know, you're going to start having, um, problems. Um, we know if TBIs or concussions are left untreated, that calcium goes out all over the brain and begins to do things. So, so, um, I, I wouldn't say predictive, uh, from a scientific standpoint, but I know if you you stay depressed long enough, you're going to get suicidal. Yeah. You know, if, if yeah, you think anecdotally, you, have, you could say anecdotally, yeah, I've seen this yeah, happen. Yeah, totally. And same for, you know, ADD. I know if you think you have ADD and you've been taking stimulants for years and truly you just have anxiety, the outcome for that is not good. Wow. So you it's know, getting there's, the there's, right diagnosis for the right condition. And if you need medicine, if you need uh, neurofeedback, if you need biofeedback, I mean, if you just, whatever you can, you can treat it better with the type of imaging that you do. And I would say it's just another spoke in the wheel of, of getting people uh, to the optimal health that they, you know, just another tool that we have. And, And many times what, what it's used for here, um, is therapists want that to inform how they do therapy. So we're not going to do deep, intense trauma therapy if somebody's totally browned out in their brain. You know, we're going to let that brain power back up before we start going to the the recesses of why somebody, you know, what happened to them so far back that they react the way they do. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So. So I can work in tandem with you on that, on the people that aren't browned out, but the people who have just lifestyle adjustments and, constant stress, um, the constant cortisol hits, which is the woman who's listening right now. She's going, wow, my, my belly's big. You know, the man Uh who says my belly's big, that's Uh your body screaming things as well. And she, the woman listening could be just saying, well, I don't drink alcohol or I don't watch porn. No, but you're in a constant state of stress, distress, fight or flight, stress. Yeah, that being in that constant state of toxic stress is is no is no better coping mechanism than going and doing porn or drinking a bottle wow. of wine. That's a profound you know, you, thing to say. Well, you got to get out of it. I it agree. Will kill you. It it will kill you. But KK I mean, used to be a badge of honor for people. You know, the guy who worked well, yeah. on Wall Street and got four hours of sleep and was snorting cocaine and smoking all the time, but he was making you know. The yeah. you've seen yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting that um, that I think millennials and even further down now, uh, their their uh, image is more lifestyle and yeah. health and those yeah. kind of things, where ours and and up might be more busyness. I mean, it's productivity to me mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. you know productivity is everything, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and I unfortunately hammered that into my kids way too Mm -hmm. young, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and to, I I say that kids don't get out of prep school here in Nashville without anxiety disorders because we're pushing them so freaking hard and, and, you know, they're going to turn to numb that or, or as, as you know, toxic stress is going to take over. Right. Um, It's it's not a good, it's yeah, not a good, good feedback loop. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And it, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's partnering with somebody, both I've all, I mean, you know, I've been a big proponent for mental health for years before it was cool. <laughs> back back yeah. when you started, oh, yeah. I mean, I've always, yeah. and then now I, I also know though that my mental health is affected by what is on my fork. And because it's uh, something we say in the health coaching space of love, the foods that love you back, because some yeah. foods don't love you back and inflame you in such a way and you're thinking, but all, all I'm doing is getting a drive through and I'm picking up, it, it's 600 calories. No, 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 no. But it's what they cook that in that's then making yeah. you sick. Yeah. And, and an inflamed brain is not a healthy brain. You know, we just, even that we've made progress that there's a gut brain connection is huge revolution, revelation to many people, you know, um, I I had a client that's kid was literally, um, and I may have used this example, but literally 
running around on the floor barking like a dog in a public space, you know. And then I saw her at the grocery store and her cart was full of Cokes and sugar cereal. And 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 truly, if, if we can if we can help anybody to say get rid of sugar as soon as you can, that change that's like exercise. Getting rid of, rid of sugar changes everything. And, you know, I'm preaching to myself on that because it's such a quick fix. Yeah. And it's delicious. I mean, I'm not lying to you. Um, I, this one guy I follow, I, my new thing also is what this other guy says, anything I've ever said, I've stolen from somebody else. Yeah. me too. And he says, don't blame salt for what sugar has done because high blood pressure is not because of salt. It's because of sugar. Yeah. Type two yeah. diabetes, all these other conditions If they say, well, you got to cut salt. No, it's the processed sure. foods and the hyper palatable mm-hmm. foods, you know, food manufacturers sit around uh, twisting their mustaches at a, a science lab going, okay, let's make this so delicious that we circumvent mm-hmm. the satiety signals in the brain. So they'll want 400 of these potato chips. But if I said to you, KK, do you want more than one baked potato? You'd go, no. Right, exactly. Because the baked potato communicates with your hippocampus and your satiety and your apostat and all these things in the brain that tells you you're satisfied. But the Pringles or whatever it is, not that, it's anything that's made in a package is designed so you can't eat just one. Right. And that then affects you. Right. That then affects you. And obesity being, uh, what I hate, uh, this, this guest I talked to yesterday since age 11, he was obese and the shame he mm. lived under and his family mm. was obese and it did it. The mm. face you're making is exactly what I did. I, I almost wanted to mm-hmm. cry for him because we don't know that life. You know, we're slim. We're slim growing up. We had slim parents. But to live in a family where everybody's obese and that's the norm, that's the other reason he said they probably don't want to come to Thanksgiving because he's dropped the 150 and they haven't. And it was also the the whole vaccine issue with him. Um, Dang, but the trauma of that, of, yeah, of, right. of that obesity. Right. I mean, you know, so that another, another, you know, isolating coping mechanism. You know? Because he said what happened as, so at age 11, he weigh, he weighs less now at age wow. 40 than he did at age 11. Um. Because he weighs at 185 to 190, he weighed more than that at age 11. But also the shame of eating, he would take the um, those gross mm. American cheese slices because that's what his stepdad had at the house, mm-hmm. and he mm. would go and hide and eat them in a closet because the shame yeah. associated with obesity. And we know that's why Dr. Fung, the father of intermittent fasting, says obesity is not your fault. Because what it then does is trigger hormones that make you hungrier and yeah, make it so yeah. that you're never full. And so yeah. if you've been eating crap, you've been in this cycle of yeah. eating and not being satisfied, eating, not being satisfied. And then you sit, you look down, you, you're 11, you're over 200 pounds. That shame, shame hits the brain in the same places as physical ab- abuse or assault does. It's traumatic to the brain. Wow. I heard somebody say something like that and I almost didn't believe yeah, it. That, you're saying that's, it, I that's well, oh. <laughs> don't go back and look, you know, I feel yeah. everything too, but, um, Brene Brown talks about that and, wow. and the shame, the shame cycle as it, as it goes to addiction, it's just horrific. Um, so well, you we, know where I heard really, it? I heard it from a lady who was talking about dyslexia and there's shame in Mm. being dyslexic because you couldn't learn like everybody else. And she said it measured as the same shame as being, now this is going to sound crazy, being in a family where there was incest or sexual abuse. Yeah. I edited it out of the podcast because I thought she was crazy, but now I Mm -hmm. see the correlation. Mm No, and I think pretty. I think those scans were done at Harvard Med- Medical. Oh. So I, it's it's. She legit. was a PhD. Um, this lady too. So I, yeah, I should have believed her. and that that all comes in the the you know the adverse childhood experience yeah. score stuff. Um, that that one thing that's interesting is that our brain tends to minimize the trauma that we've gone through ourselves. So it begins to you know mm-hmm. if if I, if I can minimize that person shaming me. And I don't really have to mm-hmm. acknowledge the brokenness there. 
you know, which is another coping mechanism. I know one, one time my husband, I was um, defending a girl because of her poor choices. And I said, honey, she grew up in such crazy life, addiction, abuse. And he just slowly turned. He goes, you just described your childhood. He goes, but see, I didn't put it on me. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you are a very, very high functioner, but boy, how much, how much freer are you since you acknowledged that mm-hmm. it was all messed up? Well, my best friend, Christina, one time said to me, cause a year ago, a local uh, Lisa, I'm your best friend. I know. Well, you were my <laughs> Nashville best friend. I have one in the 501. I have one in the 479. Okay, Claire, just uh, but Christina said to me last year when I was speaking about a, a facility here that helps, especially women who have been through addiction and abuse and stuff. And I was telling my story and she's known me 40 years. We met as uh, seniors at the, at in high school, going to the university of Arkansas for senior weekend. And she said, since I've known you, you've always, uh, covered for your addict family by saying my mother mm. died when I was 12. Mm. And she said, you used to say she had an allergic reaction. Cause that's what I was told. Wow. And she goes, wow. but then you, you knew that wasn't right. I knew she didn't have allergic. Mm. She was 47 mm. years old. You don't have allergic reaction at 47. Mm. She, mm. the allergic reaction was the bottle of wine and the pills. Right. They reacted. It, it, they reacted. <laughs> right. But now I say my mother died of, because of an addiction, an overdose. It's an overdose. I mean, but it took me years to be able to form the words. And I don't, I, I it's, be, I don't know why. Well, it's the shame. It's yes. shame yeah. because, and, 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 yeah. you know, I, I have a story that's not complete, so I can't share it all that way, but I can remember thinking if I could just get those words out of my mouth, but the vomit would block it, oh, you know, wow. And, yeah. and it's like, it's like the shame because, because shame tells us that it's our fault and that the world will look at us as it's, we created the problem. Oh yeah. I could have prevented and, it. Yeah. 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 Or prevented it or you're in the, the same reason. bucket as that person mm-hmm. or yeah. you caused it. Yeah. And, um, and, and when we can speak that, that those words, freely and say, yes, I'm a victim of abuse or yes, I'm a victim of horrific addiction, whatever. There's so much freedom, but there's that. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but there's still many out there that cannot tolerate that, you know, they're not there yet. Well, that, or they're still in some bit of denial themselves. It's too painful to look at or, okay. If you're listening, yeah, say it, you know, say, if you have to practice saying it in the mirror, say it in the mirror, because there's also shame with addiction. Cause I was embarrassed because my mother, you know, when all the kids were out the pool, my mother didn't go because she was laid up drunk. And I remember being embarrassed and covering for her as a young child, you know, no one teaches, no one taught me how to be, uh, that that was a coping mechanism or that right. I was covering for, but I had to, cause I was too embarrassed to admit that go, where's your mom? I go, Oh, yeah. she's, yeah. she, she's allergic to the sun. Cause she was a redhead. She's allergic to the sun. I remember saying that. Yeah. Well, and, and it's very difficult for it not to be a reflection on you. You right. know, what does that say about who you are as a child when your parent won't think, doesn't think enough of you that they don't show up for mm-hmm. you? You know, and so there has to be something wrong with me that that's, that's oh, the key. Yeah. Shame, shame is shame is such a debilitating emotion. Yeah, it is. And oh, just to remember, my mother never went to the school to. She was never the homeroom mom. I mean, when your mother's an addict, mm-hmm. he, they just can't. So I remember one mm-hmm. time one of the my friend's moms came and was there for me, and I was so pride proud. I felt such oh, yeah. pride of having someone yeah. standing by me that was an adult that was sober and That's functioning. It. It's because she says that means you have value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That somebody would show. There's um, Marilyn Murray, who is um, early researcher of trauma. She she's the one that developed the trauma egg. And um, she would say, if you have one compassionate witness, if one person can say, I see you in that. It's the di- well, it could be the difference in survival or not. Yes, I know, I know, because the brain is so resilient. Um, 
There's there's another thing. Do we have enough time for me to give you all this one other little Girl, example of where I mean, we get? Okay, so do so, your dissertation. So we, I mean, I would be well. I'd be thrilled. We, one of the things that um, that I do is when we go back and look at trauma, um, we say, okay, how old were you in that trauma? So, Lisa, how old were you when? You can remember your mom not showing up at the pool. You oh, know, so you yeah. might say kindergarten, what, first what, grade. Yeah, five, okay. six. I mean, early. Five or six. So yeah. there's a five or six year old part in you. Um, and what we what we would say then, and this is even this is more recent. Not just is there's one five or six year old, but that part even splits um, into a part that wants deep attachment, and then another five year old part that wants to protect itself. So even many times those two parts, the defender and the need for attachment get in a fight with each other. Wow. Like if you go back and attach to mom, she may hit you. So you've got to defend. So Mm -hmm. that's what we call many times a split. And so used to, we would think that people have borderline personality, narcissistic personality, those kind of things would call this cluster but B diagnosis. But I believe um, if as trauma being trauma informed that those aren't, those are not character defects. Those are splits from Mm. trauma triggers. Mm -hmm. So when, when that happens, we, you might, you know, if your five-year-old jumps, so, so let's say you're in a situation where you're feeling exposed or maybe rejected or somebody hadn't showed up with you. Very easy to go back to that younger part and let that five-year-old jump in the, in the uh, seat of the drivers of the bus driving the bus. And so then you have a five-year-old that might either be hyper defensive, detached, curl in on themselves or a five-year-old that's going to go and attach to anybody that's willing to give them right. Any attention. Right. And so, so what we don't want is the five-year-old in the driver's seat at all, because that's re-traumatizing what we want is an integrated whole grown ass woman to be in the driver's seat. So just yesterday I was, I was talking to a girl that finds herself over and over again, repeating very destructive patterns in relationships. Well, turns out she was abused at 12. And so really what she shows up in these relationships as dating relationships as a 12 year old. Mm. And so she's willing to put up with whatever she did as a 12 year old Mm. being abused and so what we say is let's get the grown ass woman in in the driver's seat of the bus or don't go. You know, mm-hmm. so one of the things that that a five year old and I'm not going to put this on you, but let's just play it out for a second, Lisa, if it doesn't fit. But but attention or affirmation might mean life and death to a five year old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For you, you could almost cry that that mama showed up. Yeah. Somebody that wasn't even your mama mm-hmm. showed up. So you might find yourself in situations now where attention and approval mean too much. And you might elicit that from people in a way that could be perceived as manipulative or shallow or whatever. So we say, leave that five-year-old at home to rest. And then the grown-ass woman doesn't need to elicit anything from somebody else. Right. And as um, you know, that would have been the case for me, but I married the healthiest man who is a truth teller. And those wounds get healed. Those attachment wounds get healed in the context of healthy relationships. And that's, that's what's beautiful. And if you're listening to this and you're not quite there, don't have that healthy, you know, person to pull you along, sit this one out. Don't do it because, because it's really much more, um, transparent our wounding is much more transparent to people which means we either look foolish or needy or we get exploited in those situations by people that would exploit us kk why aren't we doing a podcast when i hear stuff like this why are we both so too busy that we can't do a podcast because well you know we we need to um and it is always one of the funnest things i do when we get together and do this but let's go back lisa and just say for thanksgiving the three things that i would say okay one i'm going to add because i think i just said two earlier be curious right practice non non non-judgment and the third thing i would say is is let's practice gratitude 
you know, if, if I can stay in the, and, and duh, it's November. What are we think going to Thanksgiving? Let's practice yeah. gratitude so that if we are in the mindset of being grateful for these people, regardless of, of the warts and imperfections they have, um, it's going to be a much better day. We're dropping the mic. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.